My name's Mel Herbert, and he's Tom Wolfson. We're going to be talking about the cars, the batteries, the solar panel, the stock price, the man, the myth. We're going to be talking about everything Tesla. Why? Because we're... Talking. 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 Talking Tesla. Your wife is like, oh, he said f*** this morning. I'm like, and? What? Who doesn't say f*** in the morning? You can't say that on the show. I can't. I'd like to apologize to all of those people who listen to Talking Tesla. For some reason, things started off, well, they started off badly. Hey, you guys want to go and uh, make an app that makes people go into people's backyards and get shot? Or go to places and get kidnapped? Pokemon? What? Pokemon Go? Oh, oh they already did that? Uh, I just downloaded it like two minutes ago. Why? Mike has been playing it. I'm like, what the f*** is that? Oh, Mike has been playing it. So does he want to die? Does he have a death wish? Apparently. I don't even know what this thing is. I just it's know a, it's ba- Okay, I'm going to tell you what it is in a nutshell. It's okay. basically digital geocaching. Because you play this app, and on this app it'll be like, this Pokemon is in your neighbor's backyard. It's midnight. Go back there and get him. And if you get up to him, he'll go into your phone, and now he's your Pokemon, and you can take him to a battle spot, and you can battle with him. However... Bad people have killed, shot people in their backyards for coming in to get Pokemons in the if middle of the night. If you're stupid enough to f*** into somebody's back garden because of a video game, you should be shot. Wow. Pokemon, Pokemon Go, is that what we're talking Pokemon about? Pokemon Go is what we're talking We changed the name of the show to Talking Go because we're trying to be a little more topical. So you know the only thing worse than having a lot of language at the beginning of your show? It's having Tom tell jokes while we set up. Uh, you know what the zero said to the eight? Well, uh, nice belt. Nice belt. <laughs> Thanks. That's one of my faves. That's a good one. Here's one not for the show, so make sure you edit it out. I came up with a bumper sticker. I don't know that Elon's going to like it, but maybe he will. What, do you want to not get invited to anything, Tesla? Yeah, I don't care. I'm not invited to anything anyways. Don't get invites. Don't get You went to the wall. Posters the in wall. the mail. I got went to the wall because Herbert got invited, not because I did. It's uh, true. <laughs> You're trying to Everything get good that happens is because of me. <laughs> I'm the best and I'm my levels uh, good. Do you want to hear more inane discussion as we get ready? Yeah, I learned that at the Topanga charge point. <laughs> if you have the card and you just wave it, and you're fast enough to get it out. When it clicks, like unlocked, the the juice is running through it. You just have to get it out quick enough. I don't know if they fix that. Don't put that in the show either because I don't want them to fix it. <laughs> don't fix that. <laughs> What's the name of this show? Is it called Talking Tesla 42, The Master Plan? Yeah. No, it's go. not. Yeah, that's is it. Is it? Yeah, that's, that's it. That's very unimaginative. I have gifts for you, gentlemen. Are you ready? I'm ready. So I had a back and forth at one point with a gentleman on the Twitter about the Twitter mm-hmm. about the tw- about the Twitter because I was in a I was in a store a store and I was looking at the uh the little tiny automobiles the 164th some of you might refer to them as the the wheels that are are caliente a ma- matchbox they're hot the wheels uh-huh. that are hot and I got a Tesla Mel's already rolling his f- is it, is it the red one or the silver one I'm waiting so for this to turn into something great I got a blue one Blue. A blue one, and it was a pretty cool. 
No, it's not a Roadster. The it's Roadster's an, an older one, so I got an S. But then I went to another store because now I'm on the hunt for them. So I posted a picture of my blue one to the Twitter. Some gentleman posted a picture of a gray one back at me. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, gray. And I went to the store the other day. I got you guys a little gift. Ooh. ooh. This is going somewhere good. I bought you guys S's. Oh, oh my Tom. God. Thank you. Hot Wheel S's. I'm salivating. It says... Hot Wheel Green Speed. Yeah, wow. there's a, there's a Volt, like a souped-up Volt in the series, which I don't like. Wow. And there's a solar There's other only one car. problem with this Hot Wheels. Yeah. S. Yeah. It doesn't look like an S. <laughs> <laughs> it does from the front. From the front. Yeah. But they've really it's just funny. used the generic fast car. It's funny that you noticed that because I was looking at the spoiler and I'm like, that's a that's... poor spoiler on yeah. the back of that thing. I'm pretty sure they're repurposing <laughs> some stuff that didn't sell so well. They've but... changed the handles just like you asked for. <laughs> yeah, they're <laughs> not silver. Handles. They're dark now. I yeah. saw. So the next day, I yeah. saw a guy in a white one with white handles. Thank you. I did a little... So remember, let's go back in time. I love that. Last week, I said the handles on uh, the tester are chrome and they're incredibly hot. That's Uh, true, yes. And then we had some discussion about what reflects more. (laughs) And I said we should make them out of wood. But I did a test. It was very hot in Woodland Hills yesterday. And I have a gray tester and I put the back of my hand on the gray aluminum part. Uh Uh-huh. Hot. Really stinking hot. Uh Uh-huh. And then I put it on the chrome part and the flesh was burned off. (laughs) (laughs) Chrome apparently likes the heat. I thought you were going to tell me you put your hand on some wood. (laughs) <laughs> that's well, like a joke I, I imagined I'm old, I don't have that I imagined uh, someone And this could be a, a uh-huh. market for someone out there Like yeah. EV Annex or someone uh-huh. To take neoprene yeah, Not even thick neoprene It doesn't have to be more than maybe two mils thick uh-huh. And cut it so that it fits the inside curve of the handle uh-huh. And at the edges it's sort of like cut in a bevel shape yeah. and you just stick that on the inside of your door handle yeah, and all that. you need is to walk up to the car with your fob it pops out you just put your hand in that back section yeah. completely insulated my guess is if you put your hand on that back section without the neoprene no. It's, it, no, I it, tested that it's not because you said that so I opened it up hot day it wasn't that you were my, holding it wrong put my hand behind <laughs> it the flesh came off my hand oh the interesting the handle the is on fire well the handle is just solid chrome i mean it's a heavy if you've ever held them they have them sometimes over at the service center that thing weighs like six pounds do they do they like every once in a while say can you leave robert why are you hanging out at the service center (laughs) holding handles and stuff i was there for two hours on friday the service center in van nuys what were you doing there i was getting some tires and how much did that cost Okay, do you have so 19 or 21-inch tires? I have 19-inch tires. Excellent, because the 21-inch are a lot more expensive and don't last very long. Go on. So my wife got a nail in one of her tires one evening. I think it was Thursday, Wednesday evening. Sad face. Yeah, and and she was at parkour with my son, and she went to the local Firestone for some unknown reason. Mm-hmm. I, that's unknown to me still to this moment. That's yeah. in Northridge, not where we live, not near Tesla, and and... They found that they had a thing, and she bought a tire. She bought one tire. Yes. So, and I and I was like, well, you can't replace a one mismatched tire. Mismatched tire. Right. You can't replace one tire. It was the same tire, and it was three hundred dollars, right, for one tire. Yeah. And I was like, well, you got to buy another tire. Why? And she's <laughs> because you can't replace one tire. Yeah, you can. But go why on. not? Oh, because get- then you'll have staggered tire treads. You know what? This is a conversation we need to have. Yeah. 
because I, I would one. never replace one tire. So I've never in my life. I, so I bought on. a tire for $300, and Thank then you. I'm like, you have to buy two tires. And then we called Tesla, and what? yeah, go ahead. Why didn't you just have the tire patched? It you was know, in like, a non-patchable spot. Oh, okay. Go all right. on. Thank you very much for asking that question. Since we're all frugal and no, we want to no, uh, yeah. conserve resources. Cheap is another word for it. But yes. yeah. So I went. So I told her, okay, that's fine. And they had to order it. They didn't have it in stock. It had to come in the next day. That's okay. the way this thing worked. So I was like, okay, get another tire. And so she ordered another tire. And that tire was also $300. And then I told Firestone I was taking them with me because I didn't trust them to install them. Wow. Because, and I had gone to Tesla the day before to the service center and was like, just randomly asked a guy, how much are tires? And he's like, well, what tires do you have? I'm like, they're 19 inch. He's like, well, are they Michelin or are they blah, blah, blah? I'm like, I have no idea. He's like, well, it depends. It could be 425 or 650 a Holy tire. Holy testicle Tuesday. Like that was man. the range that he gave yeah. me. But so I took the two $300 tires in the back of my car and took them to Tesla. They installed them for $50 a piece. And I sat in there for a couple hours, had a cappuccino watched uh, some television uh, and hung out. They charged my phone while I was there. It was nice. I Okay, so this, this is this week in uh, that happened to my Tesla. <laughs> so um, I was at the uh, service center for three hours. We weren't there together. No, I was there Saturday morning because I lost the fob to my X Aww. and the S. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Both. You lost both? Well, I lost my whole of my keys, I all think, of them. Maybe they just ran off together. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, I went and got – so first of all, I went on the website uh, – what's it called? The the forums. <laughs> and I asked the forums, how much is the fob going to be? And there was just people freaking out all over the place about it costing between four and $600 per little fobby fob. Wow. And I was like, that was an expensive loss of keys. Yeah. But I went down there. It took them three hours to do it. But they were only $115 each here. Breaking news. Breaking news from Mel – to you, yeah, one that is news. Not just, just lose your fobs as much as you like. They're only a hundred bucks. Now here's another question. So Tom, although they might have recognized you from the podcast, yeah, I, I agree to disagree. Um, <laughs> another thing, Tom. Uh, yeah. So I got a flat tire in my Tesla, and I took it down to the local Bridgestone, and uh-huh. I said, "Stick something on that looks like the other wheels." And then they put a mismatch thing on there. That was a year ago. It's fine, mate. What's this? Yeah, I got to buy two at a time. That's absurd. He's living the high life. And I didn't have Tesla put in. I put any old dude at Bridgestone. It's like, slap it on. That's what you do for a living. Now that he's got a Tesla, he's just... Didn't take two hours either, mate. Took Don't 15 minutes. Me. Talking don't to me? me. I'm talking to him. No, I'm talking to you. <laughs> talking to you, I just think that... I don't know what you're you've talking got money about. To burn. No, I have never in my life replaced a single tire really? on a car. Uh, well, they were hesitant to replace my single tire because I was driving out in Agura and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the tire pressure monitor warning goes red pull over now and i was like oh my god so i pulled all right off went into a gas station which i thought was kind of interesting ironic <laughs> yes and i went up to the thing to put pressure in my tire and i yeah. hooked it up and i put in pressure and there was just like this big sound not even like a whistle <laughs> like a explosion. sound Huge hole. and i was like wow the tire looks just perfectly fine it was one of the rear tires yeah and then I kind of listened to where the was coming from, and it was on the inside. And it turns out that the Model S wears in the rear on the inside substantially more than on the outside. There's a camber. Well, it has to do, I think, with regenerative braking. Mm. And the rear, uh, there's more regenerative braking in the rear than the front. 
So it's usual that you would wear out the front first. So when I looked under the car at the inner part of the tire, right, I'd been watching the outside. I'd stick a little penny in, right? You look at, you put in a penny. You want to make sure that the head of Lincoln doesn't sink in. I know how you do it, but you weren't doing that. No one does that. I was doing doing that. that? Yeah, I was was like, you know, I'm I'm at like (laughs) 40,000 miles. I'm like, God, these tires are doing great. And what did I see on the inside? I saw metal strips (laughs) on both Size. Those are the steel belts in case anybody They are the steel wondering. belts. And actually when I got the car, so they came and they brought me one tire and uh, they, they sent the, they brought me a tire with the wheel, put it on the car, sent mine back to the, like the Westchester service center. And then I went there the next day to get tires and I spent whatever, 400 a pop. I felt good. Let Tesla have a little money. I, they don't, I don't give them much money for the car as it is these days. I just paid them once a huge chunk. Since this is such an exciting topic, can I tell you that I got a flat tire on my electric bike on the weekend as well? <laughs> oh, my God. It yeah. wasn't done what yet. Is it? But you so didn't replace I one got tire. a reward. No, they took all four tires, but they gave me an award because I'd done 42,000 miles. What? what? In, kind of an right, award? It's not a real award. That's like the longest anybody at that service center I was had driven. Say Forty thousand miles, one, impressive. One set of tires. But what? Let me. What's the award look like? <laughs> it's not real. I'll share it with you. Did you, you get a thing? Tom. Like, is it an actual piece of it's paper? It was like a smile and a handshake. Oh, okay. And a, Here's you, your award. You That's drove not an award. nicely. You just made that up, and I called you on it, and there it was. <laughs> Got no award. They're not Listen, like in the drawer. I just want to say that my electric bicycle, <laughs> when I got a flat tire, cost fifteen dollars to replace. What brand of electric bicycle do you have? High bike. I don't remember. H-A-I I was a i. I was bike. speaking Hi- to hey? another Hi- gentleman who had bought an electric bike that was in the three thousand dollar range. Yeah, it sounds like me. I love the high bike, and I'm just saying, cost effective replacement of uh, said tire. Fantastic. Anything was it the around? outer tire or the inner? No, I was just flying down the road. And Did you take f- it to Tesla to have the, <laughs> the tire? If I take it to Tesla, it would be $800. <laughs> uh, should we actually start the show? Or I don't do we know. Just do I mean, let's talk about other Just testing the mic levels. But what I was saying about Robert and the that aftermarket, the last aftermarket thing, I, my dementia has set in apparently. I don't even know what that, I don't even remember what the hell he was saying. Award that you for would buy longest? That. No, you were, ah, shit. Anyways, he's got all kinds of these little gizmos. The best one he said he was going to send me a link for, but he didn't, is a little piece of fishing wire that attaches to his hatchback and raises that little torno cover Uh when you raise the lid of the thing so you don't forget to put it down. Mel, how many times have you flipped that thing, closed the car, got in it, and been like, I cannot... See out of the back of this Every thing. Every effing time. He's got a solution. He's not oh my sharing. God. You know, I think it's part of talking Tesla. If we're going to really, <laughs> if we're going to really uh, meet the needs of our Tesla community, we need to provide them with excellent little extras for the Tesla, such yeah. as the rear uh, hatch oh my God. lifting. It's, it's called genius. Uh, hatch lifter. I need that so bad. Every time I open <laughs> Every the back, time, I forget right? to flip the thing. And where do you put your cell phone in your Tesla, right? In, I mean, I, I'm addicted center? to Waze. It's in my hand. I'm using it. I want to use Waze <laughs> all the time. So you can't there's a that. There's a company that's from, I think it's Finland, yeah. that makes these injected molded uh, custom made for Tesla. 
Yeah. And they fit in the dash. They don't have to mess anything up. The thing is solid as a rock. You can integrate an Apple charger cable with it or a... a Does uh, it cost more or less than a fob? It's like 80 bucks. <laughs> but the what? thing is... 100 so solid. sad that you have a 17 inch magnificent touchscreen and yeah. you still want to attach your phone yeah they don't have Waze on the map they yeah. really need to have apple integration it really drives me crazy because waves is the bomb they have google maps well Waze is google yeah and i think it's incorporated although we'll have to it's not incorporated the way Waze ways google it's is not as good as it's not Waze. as good as, you know how i fixed sad. that little torno cover situation oh let's get back to that <laughs> I didn't finish that. There's no so notes. I was my, just going to check. my hazard. kids are in the back seat, I just pull over to the side, push the button on the controls to raise the hatch, and they just flip it closed because you can't close it with the hatch closed either. You can't flip I it down. I didn't know that. You can't flip it down from the back seat, and then they flip it down, and I close the thing from the inside of the car. And it That's sh- not as elegant. So another, another solution as- is to have small children in the back of the <laughs> I car. Could just, so I could just see Mel driving around children. all by himself with that thing up, and he, he flicks open the back hatch, and he takes a roll of toilet paper or something <laughs> and chucks it back there. He's got like a poking stick. <laughs> yeah, stick. I need a, a like driver and just suck it, turn around and poke it back. All right, this has got to be the worst beginning to talk oh, contester in the history well, of all of the world. The show, let's see. So what's gonna, at the end of the show, you'll weigh it. What was worse, the opening <laughs> or the actual show? <laughs> so let's get started and see what happens. What number are we? 42. 42. That's a lot of twos. And fours. The Tesla master plan. Okay, this just happened uh, over the weekend. So Elon, who uh, likes to do a bit of tweeting like Donald Trump, said, uh, <laughs> said we have got a secret master plan, just between you and me. Part two. In which part two, in which Musk uh, is going to unveil something magnificent. So <laughs> the first time he did a master plan was in 2006. That master plan was we're going to have this uh, sporty electric car. It's going to be really expensive, but that's going to help us create a sedan-like vehicle. And then we're going to be able to have a, a cost-effective car. It's all going to be fantastic. So Thomas Cena wants to tell us what is the new master plan 2.0. I think it's a... <laughs> <laughs> I think it's his secret plan to stop tweet fighting with journalists, potentially. That was one theory that I had. That's Another one, maybe to meet some delivery quotas? Oh, <laughs> you little... <laughs> or the other one, potentially, let's take autopilot out of beta. Oh, let's do one of those three man. things. I don't think that's going to happen until they have more sensors. None of those things are part of the master plan? Robert? Do you have, I don't do you have issues so. with any of those I was going to say, Tom, you're just, you're, just, you're just sending us down that same road again. I'm going to need more Prozac. No, I think that, the, that it's going to be that there's going to be this master plan that involves the Tesla Solar City merger. And I think that that's going to be the facilitation of making us more independent, energy independent. I sent you guys an article late yesterday. It's not part of the show, but... This was an interesting integration conversation that a guy had on LinkedIn of all places to post a thing. Imagine this. You go into a Tesla store yes. and you get your energy, a charger, and a car, right? Yes. For your house, you're driving, you get all this thing. And they right now, the average American, they say, pays about $800 a month for all, all in fuel, cost of a car, and you know whatever the other, you know, the maintenance and all it's that a stuff. Pile of money. And a couple hundred bucks for their electricity in their home a month. So a thousand bucks a month. Let's call that an average. What if you walked into Tesla and they gave you solar, a Model 3, and a charger for 900 bucks a month? 10% off what you're currently, the average American is paying. I think that's the master plan, to be completely frank with you. Shazam. 
Shabam. Oh, that's right. <laughs> did you like Shabam, everybody? Oh, I think that's a good so... master plan. And he did follow up with a tweet. Somebody asked him on the Twitter or said on the Twitter, so, you know, some integration of Solar City and Tesla, a further integration. And he said, yes. Something like that. So you yeah. might be onto something. The full integration where he basically takes over all of the energy of the world. Right. It's just a lease. You go into a Tesla store and you get a lease for your, your transportation it, and your and your electricity. It, and mm-hmm. it's a little bit less than you're paying a month. Or maybe it's the same, but it's greener. There's something to that that's or actually very less. interesting to I think, me. I think the less is probably part of it. And I, it's a autonomous vehicle. Right. Um, so if you don't pay, it'll just go home. Not to your own. <laughs> That's the easiest repossession ever. I know. Right? You didn't do, do, pay. Do, 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 do. But where's my car? <laughs> no more repo, I man. think it's really interesting about what this could be. I was hoping it would simply be the next car is going to be $20,000, and then the next car after that is going to be $10,000. It'll get 300 miles, and it'll be fully autonomous. Thank you, Elon. I'd rather the next car be 45000 and a truck. You want the next car to be a truck, not a car. Yeah. Good on you. <laughs> Oh, we all agree. That's fine. The T-150. So why does he do sh- I was going to say shit, but you can't say that on a program. No, why don't does say he, shit, Mel. Why That's does he ridiculous. do stuff like that? Because uh, is it just for advertising? Like, always be in the news. I'm a good CEO. I keep uh, people in the news. Yeah, it's it's to sort of stimulate the conversation, right? He's As we just talked about, he's big-time Twitter dude, right? So he's he sits in his house, and he's bored. He has done playing Candy Crush, and the, he got all the Pokemon, oh, Pokemon Go's Go. in his yeah. neighborhood or whatever, right? So he couldn't, like, he didn't have anything to do. So he's like, hey, let's see what's going on on the Twitter. Let's post something. Uh, and then, like, 17 different new services run right. it. Yeah. Because I've gotten that many yeah. free press, alerts. right? Like, yeah. he gets free press, and now when he makes that announcement, those 17 will cover it, but 170 others will also cover it, as opposed to him being like, eh, I'm going to have a press conference. And maybe people are like, eh, whatever. It's so genius. it drives up some in- interest, I think. So well, we'll I'm- see. We we'll should know by the end of this week. Yeah. I'm glad that he, though, reminded us yesterday. Yeah. Today is the 11th. Yesterday, the 10th, mm-hmm. was Nikola Tesla's 160th birthday. Yeah, that's cool. Did High you send five. him anything? Uh, I just sent him <laughs> thoughts all the time, although I did watch that movie, that documentary about him. I offered to show it to you guys, where he had this master plan, where he had built this tower in Widencliff, New York. It looked like a, I don't it's like I have a t-shirt. It's on one of my t-shirts. But yeah. it basically, he not only built this tower to send out electricity, like in one of those Tesla coils, mm-hmm. that it could go far distances, but he had it tunneled underground, and he was putting it, like, grounding it into bedrock to actually complete the circuit. People thought he was all crazy, but the people who are doing the restoration at that site now are actually going underground and finding that Tesla had, like, these underground tunnels built so that he could, like, anchor this huge antenna into the bedrock, and that would help to complete a circuit that he could send electricity out to great distances. Was this wireless charging? Is that this what is was? wireless electricity and Never wireless communication. Oh my gosh. Long time ago. We're going to have to do a little story about that. That's fascinating. He so why cool walk dude. around and I'm like, got my phone, which is not chargeable back then. What the hell well, were they charging wirelessly <laughs> back then? Well, you know, it was, the, it was before pacemakers, so we might have more of an issue these days. Uh, the Tesla road trip. So, teslarati.com, we love those guys, um, noted that uh, Tesla sent out a series of emails to people to come and do meetups at the destination charges. And uh, is this anything more than just sort of a bit of advertising? Like, hey, come and let's talk about our Teslas at these meetups. It's a little more than that. It's, it's extremely boring. Did either of you get the invite? I got one. Did you? You did. Yeah, I got one. 
I'm excited. For which one? Uh, I can't remember. I could look it up, but I got one for some local uh, destination charger coming to a meetup. And I'm like, why would I do that? I'm not Robert. Robert likes to hang the out closest- with people. I don't. I like to stay in this room and not leave. <laughs> the closest one that I saw was in Ojai coming up. I think it's on the 29th. So I went to the to the website because I didn't get an invite. So I just clicked the link on the on the Tesla Roddy, uh, you know, post for this. And I went to the Tesla meetup page. The one thing that stood out to me more than anything were the massive amount of these that are taking place on the eastern side of the country, much more spread out on the west coast. And I was wondering what your guys' thought on that. Is that because we have this imagined California Tesla density or... Or what is the deal? Like, do you think like there's more Teslas on the East Coast? Like, because I, I don't know the answer to that question. I'm, I'm sure that there are more Teslas in California than any other place in the universe except Norway. Um, yeah. So if it's just about advertising and getting the word out, maybe they just don't have to try as hard in California because yeah. it seems like every other person has a friend with a Tesla. That's and, what I thought. And they've about. got all these goofball guys who even do things like podcasts and yeah. talk endlessly so, about yeah, Tesla. Right. What the hell do they need for? To do absolutely any no for? money. Thank you, everybody. Right. We don't. We we got some money. That's Get, mean. That's true. There are three we guys did. that gave us some money. Thank you. The three pizza guys. was delicious. Hey, go on the website and leave a rating and uh, you know leave a comment if nothing else. Yeah, right. Oh, you know, the world. I was thinking that uh, we were in the top one hundred of tech uh, podcasts. By the way, top one hundred. I I, li- I listen to a lot of podcasts because I spend so much time in the car. And I was thinking, you know, if it, I give money to NPR. Right, Me I give, too. I'm like a angel, so I give like I don't know what it is, ten bucks a month, something like that, and I listen to a fair number of hours, and I think yeah. that's pretty fair. I'm not cheap, so if I was listening to a great podcast about a topic, actually many topics that I really loved, I would think like, what's fair? What's fair for a good podcast like this? Fifty cents, a fifty cents an episode. I think that's pretty fair. This week in podcasting, because this is a really interesting <laughs> issue for those people that do podcasting, because um, you're going to start to see slowly, but then in an accelerating rate, paid podcasts, because advertising is up and down, and there's just it's cost a lot of money to do a podcast well. So now you'll probably see more and more of what uh, Gimlet and other people are doing. Like, Here's the standard podcast, but then if you want all the extra stuff, give us a buck a month. 12 bucks a year or something like that to help pay for it. Because then if you've got a lot of listeners, you can actually get enough money to actually do a podcast. We're not going to do that because we don't have anything extra. Although somebody did ask us we for could do our less. outtakes. We could do less. Somebody did ask pay us. Pay extra for <laughs> half the podcast. That might be good. <laughs> somebody actually wrote a letter like, you guys should post like every once in a while like a, a letter, a, a, an outtakes thing. I'm like, no, that would be boring. That is no, the show. Good. It's just <laughs> no, The show is an outtake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody also doing. wanted us to video it, which uh, we're working on, but um, looking around, <laughs> this is not an attractive group. Show we business for ugly people. The future of, of high-speed high speed transport. transport. Robert. So the future of high-speed transport. I got this uh, this this little um, Google alert about something going on in Australia, and I thought, well, you know, Mel's an Aussie, so yeah. well, let, me, let me pay attention to this one. That's <laughs> RMIT, mate. And Royal it Melbourne turned into technology, mate. Right. Mate. I, you know, like, I actually had to go looking to find the RMIT, RIMIT, RIMIT, RIMIT. Nobody calls it RIMIT. They RIMIT. just call it RMIT. RMIT. Nobody. RMIT. Nobody calls it RIMIT, mate. What's in my tea? RMIT? Well, it's the Royal Melbourne Institute of Technology, and they were one of 30 teams that went to Texas where there was this competition for the... Did you go? 
Did you go, Tom? No, to no. Texas Tech. No, no. Okay, You're I making... just made the hook'em horns. Oh, I see. I thought you were like you were there, maybe. Anyway, so these teams all went there to show off their Hyperloop elements. Some of them had a uh, levitation. Some of them had the interior designs and studio. I mean, uh, designs of the uh, stations and. Uh, then Elon came out at the end and it was this big thing. You can watch it on YouTube. It's actually pretty cool. He came out and he actually gave them like, like I think he was there for over an hour talking with them. And the only thing he didn't do was take pictures with every single one of these guys. But this uh, Australian team was the only one to win in the competition from the Southern Hemisphere. Thank you. I don't know if there's, I, I, I guess that means something to somebody. Why Why does it mean anything? I don't know. You I don't put, know. You put it in the show notes. I know. So I was like, is that like short man syndrome? <laughs> We're from the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah. What, yeah. Yeah. We okay. have to break the world up into somebody we can compete against. There's too many smart North I'm Americans. I'm in the 19th quadrant of the upper uh, Northern We're Hemisphere. We're bigger than New Zealand. Yay. That's our claim. Yay, so their team's called Vic Hyper, which I thought was interesting. A bunch of students, there's a nice picture of them, and they won a prize for their braking system, which in a frictionless environment still manages to regain energy when slowing the pods down. I That one's just too high up for me. I don't get that one. But they, um, it just sort of gives me an a, uh, opportunity to talk about what's been going on with Hyperloop which I thought was pretty cool. They showed, uh, they talked about the psychology of being stuck in a closed tube going at like 2G forces, 700 miles an hour, very tight space, and how people will not necessarily be very accepting of this. It's called an airplane. Yeah, but no, an airplane is, is bigger. This thing is like, a, it's going to be tighter. This is like the SST. Economy class. I don't know if you've ever been to the Boeing Museum in Seattle. You can go on the old SST, the supersonic transport. I can't, I, when I'm bent at the waist, I'm hitting the roof. It is so tight. But it's you like are a, freakishly tall, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> they showed pictures. I can stand on the chair and I don't hit the top. <laughs> they showed pictures of the Hyperloop 1. Uh interior the walls intrude into the outer seats and the seats have these like barriers between them Um, we should why why is something that they have yet to invent horrible already so small it's horrible but aren't they working on sort of virtualizing so it feels like you're outside right so there's like a video of what these windows look like so basically they pick these fake windows on the side and you can look out and see exactly what's passing outside of you on the from the tube and when you move your head around the image moves with you it's cool. So it's like cameras on the outside then project into the inside as if it's a real window. Well, and it's probably just a videotape, I would think, not no, cameras. It's well, I actual don't know. live not, footage. This whole thing, they're calling it uh, virtual windows. Is that what I mm, put It's there? only a half an hour There's from a, L.A. to San Francisco. I don't need to be entertained. I right. do. If you're going to put me in an aluminum constricting device, I'm going to freak the hell out. So, I figured yeah. the ticket's got to have two extra little tabs. One is uh, Zofran, an anti-vomiting medicine, and the other one is Ativan and anti-anxiety medicine. There is and between a, the two, you can make the 30-minute loop. There's an amazing video of a bus that re- got retrofitted. I don't know if we talked about it on the show. The bus that got retrofitted with the same technology. And so these kids would get on the bus, and then the bus would drive through the world as it was 650 million years ago or whatever. Ooh. And so you're seeing dinosaurs, and you're driving. So you have the sensation of the bus moving, and you're going up and down hills, and you see dinosaurs. That technology is amazing. 
Here's what I'd do if I was <laughs> oh, if I go. was in charge, right? This is gonna be so good. you're flying along in your hyperloop, uh-huh. and then you're seeing the green grass, and you're going up to San Francisco. Yeah. And, oh, look at the beach and everything! I would put in um, apocalypse uh, DVD, <laughs> <laughs> and I'd have like nuclear weapons exploding <laughs> and zombies coming and people freaking. Oh god! Oh god! It kind of sounds like out, you're like, oh. and you get out the other side. There's no really, yeah, because what most transportation companies want to do is make sure that their uh, passengers are as agitated as possible. <laughs> For the entire time, <laughs> I give a lot of alcohol, and I'd make it seem like the okay. end of the world happened. Could that's go wrong. So that's an interesting thing that you sort of mentioned peripherally, Robert, but you just mentioned straight up is like if you're doing two G's on LA to San Francisco, is there drink service? Well, that's yeah. just during the acceleration phase. You don't is do it? pull two G's the whole time. Once you get up no, to I speed, you, you know zero G. You're back yeah, to normal you're, G's. You're at zero it's G's. only at acceleration you get G'd. Right. Okay. So the one good, the one big thing that I took away from this article. One big thing was that it seems like a lot of governments are are on board with this, and it's actually going to happen. Like it right. went from this white paper that Elon did one night in the hot tub with his cousin, because he does all of his best work in the hot tub, apparently, to like a thing that's going to happen probably. Right. Like it's technology that is is going to be implemented in place. Hyperloop one. Going to do it in Moscow, or at least they're working on that. Switzerland, United Kingdom, London to Manchester and Dubai. And then the other guys, Hyperloop Technology, sorry, Transportation Technologies, they're going in Austria and Slovenia and Hungary, like to going to link these three cities. It sounds pretty cool. And then there's the Quay Valley. Yeah. Quay Valley, where uh, Hyperloop Technology Transport is building a full-size five-mile loop. That's that imaginary city that was just in the news today that looks uh, very interesting. It's in the middle of absolutely nowhere. So right it's along in the California. Five. Some rich dude is going to make the city of the future in California? Right. It's, this they're supposed before, to make it 100%, 100% renewable. It's right, in the, right on the five, north of Bakersfield, between Bakersfield and Fresno. Oh, like, yeah. It is distant. in the middle of nowhere. I, I wonder, There's nothing there. Uh, I wonder how he got so much land out there. For an inexpensive price. I wonder how that... Well, the problem is they don't have enough water rights. Oh. So that's what's been holding them up for many years. But that now... great. Yeah. Well, you could live there and trim, and commute to LA. You could live there. And then you could live there and commute to San Francisco if there was such a hyperloop. But the history of utopian cities is uh, littered with... Um, Litter. Corpses. Just, <laughs> it's been tried many times. It's so expensive to build the infrastructure and then yeah. have people go, uh, I don't know who's going to fund this. It's, uh, I suspect it's, this is going to be like the Salton Sea. There's going to be some nice little wreckage there in let, a few years. Let's just hope it isn't Elon. So to give some comparison, so it's two Gs of this Hyperloop when it's right. accelerated. Zero to, zero to 135 how long? in so 1.9 seconds. The space shuttle... <laughs> Pulls about three G's is what I found. Not right now. The gravity when it was <laughs> maximum during launch and re-entry. That seems like a lot. They were tied to their chairs and and then the gravitron amusement ride. I don't even know what that is. Two and a half to three G's. I think we should go in and report from. There. Oh, is it, I think the graviton is the one that spins around and you get stuck on the wall. Ah, that thing is okay. pretty cool. I've I don't been like there. that one at all. I saw someone throw up in one of those. Yeah, that's, oh, yeah. That's I saw too. Above. That was a good that. story for many years. Thankfully. Top fuel record dragster, 4.2 G. So it's it's not no Gs. It's a lot of Gs. So look at this. That's uh, 4.4 seconds over a quarter mile. So that means your Tesla P-Dual Ludicrous is probably making you do three or four Gs. 
Somewhere in that range. I don't know. I don't, no, I don't think so because this is like you are going like zero to 190 in that quarter mile. In that first few seconds, Drag I wouldn't be surprised. Dragsters are fast, though. Well, I went on the interwebs to actually look at this guy. I am kind of interested in it. And it seems that most people are saying that it's only 1.2, 1.3 Gs when you're going ludicrous mode very fast in a Tesla. I would have thought it'd be more than that. Feels like more than that. That's going to be uh, a little unsettling. So maybe you should not eat for a couple of hours prior to getting on the Hyperloop. Okay. I don't know how we're going to do this. If I'm going to I'm San curious. Francisco, I'm going hungry anyways. That's the way I roll. Yeah. You're well, there's straight to the Embarcadero. That's right. Get so me some good. fish and chips, mate. It's, I've been bloody 30 minutes on, on that thing. Yeah. I don't know why you talk like that. <laughs> All right. There's an upcoming drag, uh, drag day I saw for the that. LA Tesla Club. Yeah, I saw that. But I'm you not... can only race your car. No. I can, car can I race go, your car? My car is no faster than your car. I know, but I don't want to risk my car. Oh, <laughs> you can't hold your car straight in a line on a drag strip? I don't know. I I've never tried fully floored. I couldn't do it with the Are RAV. I'll tell you that right now. The well, RAV the would RAV be like, a put, put. No, it's fast, but it just doesn't. It's not built for that kind of torquiness. It does really? definitely pull a little bit if you floor Ooh. it. No, the Tesla's rock solid. Rock man. solid. Like rock a- solid. Rock solid. Yeah. I've done mine a few times. It's like. You've done zero, it in my too, if I remember correctly. <laughs> in the X, there's a little also. little man in the back nice. seat screaming, and that was me. <laughs> if I could only have gotten rid of the dead weight, it would have gone faster. <laughs> Are you going to that drag racer thing? I don't think so. All right. I mean, I wanted to experience what a P90D Ludacris was like, but they said, oh, no, you can't ride in someone's car if it's faster than blah, blah, blah. And then you have to wear what? a helmet as well. So you can't bring your Ludacris? Or you you can. can. You can, but you can't take passengers if your zero to 60 is like less than four seconds. Oh, okay. Something like that. We should rent one for the day. We're going to talk about rentals in a little while, but we should rent one and go up there. And Maybe we should we, just we take should. another club member and give him a few beers and say, you're too drunk. We're going to drive it for you. <laughs> Let's talk about the electric bus. Yeah, this is this from is RS cool. Technic X. So Proterra, we've been talking a little bit about electric buses in the last yeah. few weeks here. So Proterra's got uh, a new series of buses coming along. And they say this in the article that, you know, these heavy-duty vehicles that use electric, you know, you think about, uh, boy, they're going to have to have big old uh, you know, batteries and have to go a very long way. Yeah. Well, uh, and that's going to take a long time to charge. So the interesting things about this is that um, they've got high overhead voltage, high voltage that they're now outsourcing or they're lifting the patents on that um, have between 250 and 1,000 volts. 1,000. Up to 1,400 amps. So an enormous oh amount of pressure, God. and the tap is wide open. So they can, in 10 minutes, get 30 miles of charge for the 100-kilowatt version. They also have a 400-kilowatt version and a 300-kilowatt uh, version. The 300-kilowatt version on one of these buses gets 200 miles. It can basically drive around all day with its passengers, come yeah. back and get charged. But the important thing here is that this idea of um, electrifying buses in particular is really moving along, and this group, Proterra, is uh, doing a fantastic job on this, and a number of prototypes are up and running, and uh, it's exciting to me. I want to plug in my Tesla to a 1,000-volt, 1,400-amp charger, and I'll have that thing full in about mm, 10 seconds. You can't. That's that's about 11 or 12 times faster than the top-end supercharger performance. No. Yeah. 1,400 amps? 1,400 amps, 1,000 volts. That's a million four hundred watts. You sit in that car, That's and boom, ginormous. Whoa! Because yeah, here it says it's four times faster 
So is it not just four well, times Well, I'm just doing raw image? math here. Maybe I'm- Four times faster would be good because I went to the supercharger uh, on the weekend. Uh-huh. And uh, it took an hour from basically flat to completely full. And I had an hour, so I did it. But that would be cool if I could go from zero to 100 in 10 minutes. What supercharger did you go to? To the Schnad, Oxy Schnad. And you just felt like you could just take up all the supercharger time? Well, when I got there, it was one of those anxiety-producing things like, oh, my gosh, the place is full. Mm-hmm. But that then within five happen. minutes, mm-hmm. it was just me and three other guys. Nice. But for a second there, I was going to go off on people like you Electric left, Gen and say, you what the, yeah, I didn't, you would have left if you had. I didn't. I just needed like fifty, but since I, you know, nobody was there, I filled it up. So, so I, makes me a bad ahead, person. I know. I was going to say it would be really interesting if, when they open the patent on this, this is now adopted by all kinds of municipal vehicles. So you could see the street sweeper. Not only the buses, the fire trucks, the ambulance, the dog catcher, the police vehicles, the trash truck. Trash trucks. Do you know how much? Miles per gallon a trash truck gets. I read this. Please tell the people. 2.8 miles per gallon. That's not a lot. Correct. That's pathetic. That's not a lot. That's almost not a... That's that's close to none. So the reason that they get such <laughs> crappy gas mileage is because they're constantly starting and stopping and starting and stopping. And right. they're using brakes. So they're wasting all that energy. And if they had electricity to run these buses, it would be a lot more efficient. Yeah. And the numbers that they're showing... Like this one company, uh, Right Speed, which has this like electric bus, sorry, electric trash truck that can be charged with a like a turbine, a gas or diesel turbine. But the reality is the bus can go quite a ways with these huge battery packs. I'm oh, sorry, I keep saying bus. The trash truck can go quite a ways with all these huge battery packs. But uh, to give the uh, municipalities that sort of backup warm fuzzy feeling they can include this turbine to give them a charge while you know, they're driving you know who else is really into this stuff is the u.s military the u.s military uses mm. an absolutely extraordinary amount of fossil fuels and uh they don't like it because if uh you can block the uh, fossil fuels coming to your convoy that's invading your country that's a problem well so they really want to have solar panels and electric vehicles so they're actually pouring a lot of cash into the development of deployable renewables on site mostly because it's it's obviously very difficult to get a lot of gas to the front line but it takes a lot of protection to protect these fuel convoys so that's a bigger deal like you could have x amount of troops in convoy but you could have or, or in combat but you could have four or five x just protecting the supply lines of the fuel to get to them so this electric bus article from ars technica is where it came it was amazing this company is opening up the patents for the charger part of it because they had customers contacting them saying we would like to be able to buy buses from other people but have your technology have that technology on it because municipalities get freaked out according to the article when they're tied to sort of one uh, supplier so they wanted to be able to do it so that's why they do it and they thought well the more uh, municipalities that do it the more buses that are get bought the faster the adoption generally generally all that good stuff and so the interesting thing about it is it takes about 10 minutes for them to get 30 miles of charge, and they say a lot of bus routes are about that anyways, so they could circle around. And what I thought would, would be cool, and you see these big giant towers over the bus stop, so if a bus stops even for 30 seconds, 
or but it stops 30 times for 30 seconds that's about what 15 minutes of charging during that time it would actually never have to go off route depending on the cost of these chargers if it just charged a little bit at every stoplight or whatever that it got to along the route and i'm not saying it's going to happen initially because it would be expensive yeah, if you look at the video of the bus actually charging, it's a little bit onerous. This thing has to come over, it kind of lowers, it kind of scoots up and back, and then it finally engages, and it probably takes two minutes, three minutes for this thing to, to start charging. Yeah. So, mm, so and, it's not pull up and Yeah, I mean, but it could, not, that's, the first, that's the first yeah. sort of deal, sure. right? And it could get better. And they say the one, re, one thing in their power was it takes about 10 minutes – to fully charge it, but it takes in a lot longer than that to fully fuel a bus or a trash truck because they have a lot of fuel in them. So there is some time savings that could happen. This could actually be a huge thing. This could actually happen. So let's hope Proterra's electric bus thing works. Let's talk about Tesla renting. Let's do it. And you know who did this article? Ranting, renting. Okay, so uh, Electric has an article that says that Tesla should start um, a car rental agency. And the reason they think they should do this only after they catch up with production, which they say that they're getting caught up now doing about 2,500 cars a week, is that people will want to try a Tesla. And if they rented them for like 250 bucks a day, maybe $1,500 a month, which is in line with other luxury cars, then you'd have this opportunity for more people to try out Teslas. And once you've been in a Tesla, you don't go back, baby. And, uh, And I would say... There's been a number of times when I've visited Sydney or somewhere else. I'm like, I really would like to drive a Tesla. I don't really want to drive a gas-powered. Now, it's a lot of money. 250 bucks a day for a, uh, a rental is a lot. But if I'm driving my Tesla and I'm going up the coast of Melbourne and going to Sydney and stuff and I'm using the supercharged network, I would do it. And if they could make money out of something like that, then uh, it would be a good thing, right? What do you think? I think it's a great idea. I, I remember back when I was looking – I think it was maybe I'd just gotten a Tesla. I was looking at a Tesla. Hertz was renting Teslas. And they were $500 a day. Oh, I don't want to buy it. And they today. gave you all of 75 it. miles. And then it was a half a buck a mile after that. What a ripoff. So uh, we yeah, agree with you, guys, Electric. Do you guys understand why that they're not going to do this, right? Because rental car companies clearly looked at this there's no money in it why i mean for tesla if it's not to make money but this guy said it was about revenue this article is about this will make money for tesla if it was something that would make money for tesla do you not think enterprise would be doing it do you not think hertz would they be actually doing it? are they are when i went to maui i could have rented a tesla How much? they only had two or three it was north of i think it was 275 300 350 did it you was, do it no why because I had, because I it wasn't was too expensive. Very much. <laughs> what I was going to drive like the entire time I was there. If I drove like 150 miles, it was a lot. It was a little island. What do I need a Tesla for? I'm going to sit on the beach. Let's do a fast forward then. Um, Model Three. But now I can rent this thing for not basically the same as a, a mid-sized sedan of a gas-powered engine. My God. There's another huge market that I never thought about before. Right. Not only is Uber going to buy all the Model 3s, but Hertz and everybody else is going to buy all the right, Model 3s. Right, but it's a third the cost, right? So again, it's a third the cost. And so is this article by Electric about Tesla making revenue, which it was, and which is not a viable business plan in my opinion, and it sounds like in either one of your opinions either, or 
I was like, yeah, yeah so or Tesla was it doesn't to get to... people in their cars? Yeah, so I think yeah, that's probably uh, a better argument for having some fleets available. But does Tesla really want to get into the rental market? Just provide these cars to Hertz and these people at uh, a little bit of a discount. Have them do it. They've got the infrastructure. Let so them do it. If Mel, you go on vacation and one of the cars you could rent is a Leaf, would you? Depends. If I'm somewhere like uh, Hawaii where I'm not going to be driving a lot of miles, yeah, I'd do that. Absolutely. And yeah. particularly in Hawaii where they're trying to get 100% renewables, I'd feel good. Look, that might the be your only choice. Killing them. Might be your only choice in Hawaii yeah, in a few will, more years. It will be, right? By, yeah. if, if they have their say by 2050. What? Well, speaking of wind in or Hawaii, let's Norway, talk about yeah. it. This is from Inside Climate News, and it says that Hawaii wants to be 100%, 100%. 100% renewable by 2045, which is not that far away. And so the feds have been leasing uh, land to put up wind farms because I guess the federal government owns the underwater bits of the country. And uh, so they're going to let, let them lease <laughs> the underwater bits. bits. Yeah, off the coast. <laughs> and so they're going to allow uh, wind farms to lease there. They've been getting some pushback. This is interesting from surfers and fishermen saying, like, yeah. we don't want you to wreck our surf here in Hawaii or our fishes. And so... Uh, you know, this you're going to get pushback from some of those people, but uh, Hawaii apparently has a very expensive electricity because until pretty recently they had to bring in all of the fuel basically to run the turbines to make the electricity, and that's why when you look at the price per kilowatt hour in Hawaii, it's like astounding. It's like thirty cents a kilowatt hour, which is three times what it is on the mainland, and so this can solve all that uh, issue. And I guess another problem that you have with just um, solar panels on everybody's roof is that for some reason, and they didn't really explain it in here, that's more expensive and harder work on the grid than just pumping a lot of renewable energies offshore and back onto the grid. I don't know why that is. Well, I don't know why Robert's going to explain. I'm sure why that is. But the one thing that was interesting about this was that most of the people in Hawaii, by population, live in a very small area. So they could pump... They could actually build that wind thing as like a power plant and put all of that like one giant cable into that one local area to 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 provide the electricity for most of those things. It's really deep water, so they will have to be floating. They're they're looking at things like oil rigs, which have their own sort of problems because they're expensive and they're gigantic, and people don't really like them, even if they're wind off their coast. They just don't like the way they'll look. They look a little funny, too, as they sort of like float on by, like a flo- <laughs> yeah. floaty device in yeah. your swimming pool. It's, exactly. it's funny people say that about you know offshore wind farms look ugly, and I f- see them, and I just get the most joy when i see solar panels and wind farms i'm like oh my god renewable energy thank you i get such joy i see off the coast of uh oxnard and i look out and i see the giant oil rigs and i get depressed i'm like that it's gonna go and the fish is gonna die and carbon's bad and you're gonna step in that on the beach and you have to wash it off with gasoline i mean i agree with you i think that you know you sort of have to you have to you have to get the energy somewhere so you have to basically deal with it but i would love to get all of those coastal power plant areas back wouldn't that be awesome all those places now that are using seawater and stuff to cool them wouldn't you like to get all that diablo canyon yeah diablo and i think one of the things that i got from this article was that by putting the wind farm right off the coast of honolulu they don't have to build a whole lot of wires and they don't have to lose a lot of electricity transporting it over distances they can put it right where the energy is needed 
And uh, that was one of the things I was saying one or two or three shows ago about Maui has tons of wind, perfect place to make the energy, just can't get it anywhere unless you now convert it into hydrogen or some other yeah. methane, I don't know what, and, and then you burn it. it on the other side. And they don't need as much energy because there's just not that many people, right? They don't need anywhere near as much energy as they could produce. So I've got this map that shows the wind speeds on average around the country on and offshore. And the problem is that where it's really fast in the purple areas, nobody really lives there. That's the middle of the country. That's the middle of the country. Because nobody can see the that. The Dakotas, where you were. Was it really windy in the Dakotas? It gets it, It's continually breezy. Yeah. Sort of. It wasn't super windy, but it does get windy for sure. So off the coast of Massachusetts and Rhode yeah. Island, where they have planned and then squashed the plan no, they didn't to build want to this see it. beautiful yeah they didn't want to see the beautiful wind farm off the coast but it could have supplied all the electricity to cape cod bar none i mean that's amazing and here in california as well and off the coast of washington so there's a lot of potential for wind alaska tons of potential for wind and remember that wind is just solar energy it's just the sun you know doing its thing again it's all in the end all energy is solar energy have i told you my theory about that no, you please. give me a fuel and I'll tell you why it's solar energy. Go. Solar. Okay, that's solar. Wind. Nuclear. <laughs> that's solar. Nuclear. nuclear. That's solar because it's nuclear and the sun's made of nucleus. <laughs> Fossil fuels. That's solar because it was from dead plants and stuff that's in the ground from millions of years ago. Bio- Geothermal. That's solar. Okay, I've got to worry about this theory. Okay, The Atlantic has an article which says um, if. But, uh, you know, right now in the United States, um, there are red states and blue states. Red states, Republican, right wing, tend to get more money from um, the fossil fuel industry, although not always because there are blue states that get lots of fossil fuel industry uh, money and they tend to want to not have uh, renewables. So if you look at the uh, picture of the country, you can look at a red state or blue state and uh, you can sort of work out whether they're going to push renewables or not push renewables. And it's kind of freaking depressing. This should be sort of above politics. This should be about um, having energy sources that are clean and uh, not destroying the planet. But we have become so um, divided in this country over politics and renewables. And there is uh, this pushback constantly against renewables for some reason until the point, which is where we're getting to now, when the true cost of producing the renewables is substantially less or the same or less than the fossil fuel energy. So this article um, basically said we're getting to that point now that even if you, for some political reason, or because the fossil fuel industry has helped funding you in some way, it's getting to the point where these other sources of energy are so inexpensive that even the uh, sort of traditionally Republican red states like Texas and other places are now having more and more renewables because it's so dang cheap. But this is where the people who are supporting of a carbon tax really, I think, have it right. What we are doing right now is massive trillions, tens of trillions of dollars a year in subsidies to fossil fuel industry because we do not count the cost of the pollution. The pollution is the CO2. The cost of that is so much money, it's unbelievable. If we had a carbon tax, these other renewables would, would absolutely dominate the market because the cost of fossil fuels is so much higher without that subsidy. So let's talk about uh, England and free charging. In 2011, UK green electricity supplier called Electricity, Electricity, Eco, Electricity, uh, were deploying lots of electric uh, vehicle chargers around the place for free, and for reasons which weren't 
quite clear to me in this article in Engadget. They're basically moving away from that to a paid service. So instead of giving uh, free electricity uh, for your car, you're going to have to pay £5 for 20 minutes of charging, which seems like a lot. It affects 40,000 members, so apparently a lot of people are using this system. And actually, Tesla and this group, Ecotricity, were actually uh, in in discussions about building out the network together, one assumes with some supercharging with them. But that all fell apart. So... uh, I bring this up because I think that this is the right way to go. I think at some point you have to pay for your supercharger. That's really what I'm getting to. When we have trillions and trillions of Model 3s, we must have many, 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 many more superchargers. And I think it would be reasonable at that point to charge some amount to do your charging so you can continue to build out the network. Otherwise, it's going to be too much overhead for Elon and the boys to uh, suck up. I was the way I see it is that when I first bought my car and I, you know, all I can say is I opened my wallet up, turned it inside out, and then grabbed another wallet because <laughs> I spent so much damn money on that car. Like by a factor of three, what I've spent on any other car. And so when I would go and get a front, you know, a, a parking space at the very front of the mall, and I could fill my car up though at a bit of a trickle, I felt good. That made me feel like, all right, so it wasn't, you know, I'm kind of an idiot in the reality. I spent an extra $60,000 and I'm getting like $3 worth of electricity and a car spot up front. I could have just freaking valeted my $40,000 Beamer and I would have been far ahead, but I didn't. And so now we're getting cars that are cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Like you can, there was a lease on the Fiat 500E for $69 a month here in California. That's ridiculous. I tried to grab one, but I don't know. I was going to give it to my son. He said, no, he doesn't want it because he wants to drive long distances, whatever. But, you know, so now the cars have become so much more reasonable. I think it's reasonable to charge. Yeah. So they're building the, most of these were built out in petrol stations, which I think is an interesting thing. And we talked about that being a, a, a thing that makes sense here because it it gives incentive for the petrol stations to give up a little bit of their space for either destination chargers or chatamo chargers or fast chargers five dollars is it's five pounds basically for 20 minutes of charging and that on a leaf gets you about 60 to 80 miles so the problem that i have with it is that cost like they looked at it as as a sort of a reasonable price but they looked at it in a traditional sense of diesel fuel costs being about the same price like for the same amount of miles you pay about i think the article said about 520 for diesel fuel right now there's obviously a lot of environmental costs but you have to sort of look at it differently like a you know how much is it really costing them to make that energy there's a lot of factors involved i think that's the five is a little bit high the to answer your question mel about why they did it if you get your electricity at your home from Ecotricity, the chargers are still free, okay. right? So it's a marketing. It's another. It's an additional thing to offer their customers, and they have this weird algorithm. They'll actually give you an extra thousand miles of charging off of your Ecotricity bill. Like there's a whole thing going on trying to get people to turn over. And I don't know how the power system works in the UK. Like here. Like if you live in a neighborhood that's supplied by DWP, you have DWP. You don't have an option to go with another electricity provider. I don't know if that's the same in the UK or not. Right. I think. uh, And the other thing I looked up was that the cost of gas today in London is $8.17 a gallon. For a gallon. 
That's that's almost three times what we pay here. Yeah, and that's how it is in most of the or maybe the four times industrialized world in Australia and England. There are some Saudi, you know, there are some countries in the Middle East and other places where they have huge subsidies, but the U.S. has incredibly cheap uh, petroleum compared to other people. I agree. I think this. I don't know why they come up with that number. It seems extraordinarily high. It seems like that's going to kill it because one of the things you can rationalize when you have an electric car is, like, but I per mile, my cost to run my car per mile is so much less than an internal combustion engine. If they make it about the same, is there enough incentive for you to do it just because it's fast and quiet? So here's a question, right? So all of the things we've been talking about over the years, you know, you know, either on this show or off this show, at some point, Will we have to make a decision that it's not going to necessarily be more or less, but maybe about the same, but it's the right thing to do? I mean, because we've all made the decision, almost anybody who buys an electric car now has made the decision that it's probably going to cost them a little more, right? That's been the sort of, at least for the for the car itself, for the hardware, yep. when the soft, when the the energy is a little bit is cheaper, right? We know that. So what if that paradigm just became closer? It's still basically the thing we talked about at the beginning of the show, like your cost of transportation, right? If it is what it is, but it moves the world closer to this sustainable thing, no matter how many people are on the planet or or whatever it is, then is that just a is that a mental shift that has to happen to for all of us, even like early adopters? And do we have to start having that conversation about it that is so far out of so many people's sphere of thought as i i'm a deep thinker sit on the 405 surrounded by these ginormous suvs yeah. named things like tahoe and armada and <laughs> they're just huge and i look at yeah. the size of the tailpipe on these vehicles oh my god i think people are getting more eco-conscious and will as we continue to set the world on fire but for most people um, it is about what they can afford. And yes, I would really like to do things uh, to save the planet, but I only have X number of dollars and I have to get the cheapest car or the cheapest transportation. And for most people, that's what drives it. So that's why it's really important for people with money to move this along and people like governments to move this along because the, any individual who doesn't have a lot of cash can't go and buy $10,000 worth of solar panels. Not going to happen. It's not going to buy a $100,000 car. So that's why the price has to come down and down and down and down. Or we have to do carbon tax or something and says, no, you cannot any longer have a gallon of gasoline for three bucks because it's destroying the planet. That is $20. Yeah. And I'll reiterate what I've said in the past on this show. The people who are listening to this show are the ambassadors of this thing that we're trying to do as a movement sort of moving forward. I went to a party over the weekend. This is a little bit of an aside. And I had some friends come out, friends that I've known for 20 years. And these are smart people with good jobs. Some of them are, you know, like they're, they're, peripherally in the car business on on some levels either taking pictures of cars things like that who've never sat in a tesla like didn't have any idea what it was like to even be in the car or even seen one stop to the point where they could touch it or or, or whatever see how and, hot and, the door handles were yeah <laughs> see how hot the door handles is but they get in it and they're like oh my god the screen's so big and like you know it's an impressive sort of first look and I think anybody listening to the show, and I've said this in the past, like just be an ambassador. If you don't want to give them a ride, just let them look at it. Let them get in it. Let them sit in it. And that will move the ball forward, obviously, better when it's cheaper. You know what uh, is the best thing ever to get people interested? Gullwing doors. Yeah, Every time you I open bet. those up, like 
three, four, five <sighs> people come up and go, oh my gosh, I've heard about this. And they sit in the car and I, this just happened. Falcon uh, wing doors, by the Falcon way. Falcon wing, sorry. <laughs> and I just did this recently and this uh, a shopkeeper and his son and his wife come out and they're looking at it and they saw the screen and that guy's like, how much is that? And like $100,000. like, oh, I need to think about getting one of those. I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> go Manly Bay and Gadget. So they uh, have finished installing the 26,000 solar panels, which is going to make it the largest rooftop, rooftop solar installation of solar in the United States. But here's what's depressing because we've been making fun of Mandalay Bay yeah. and they're going to store the energy and put it up on hydraulics. Uh-huh. It's only 25% of their uses. This massive solar array is only 25% of the usage. Well, and you, you know, know like why? Slot machines take a lot of energy. They have a lazy river and a surfing freaking pool there. Mandalay Ooh. Bay and Bellagio together use more energy than all of Key West's 25,000 residents and 2.5 million visitors a year. Holy crap, we need to burn those things down. They're destroying the planet. Obscene consumerism. It's it's consumption steroidal. I'm glad that they're putting these on, but they need some more. I will tell you this. If you're listening to this show right now and you're not driving and you're near a computer, go to Google Type in Mandalay Bay and hit the satellite view. You can see all 26,000 of those panels. It is impressive. Wow. <laughs> it's pretty still cool. enough. And still the Nevada Power Authority is pissed and is screwing with yeah. everybody and saying you can't net meter. To hell with those people. Autonomous oh. driving. Oh. Susan, sorry. <laughs> sorry. It was uh, a uh, Autonomous driving. Um, just an interesting article from Bloomberg. Which, as we know, uh, we talked about uh, last week that Mr. Brown was the uh, first sort of confirmed death in somebody that was in uh, autopilot mode. Um, And we had a lot of discussions about it. We talked about the fact that the NTSB is going to investigate. Now, the NTSB here in the United States is actually – their job is to investigate a certain number of crashes um, to to try and move uh, safety forward. So they've said we're specifically going to look at this for a number of reasons. And one of the sort of revelations that the chairman here said was that um, pilots in airplanes understand that you still have to be in charge and you still have to be watching this stuff. But this has been pushed out as beta software. And this has never happened in the auto industry before, that such an important part of the safety of a car has been pushed out as beta software and we, and this is what's a little chilling to me, we really are going to investigate this. We're going to crawl up the buttocks of uh, the Tesla program and ask the question, should we be letting them do this? Well, the NTSB typically doesn't research auto crashes. That's the National Transportation Highway Safety Administration that does that. The NTSB typically does trains and planes. So their investigators actually have a lot of experience dealing with things that have autopilot, right? So trains have a certain amount of autopilot functionality. Planes have a certain amount of autopilot. So there's an expertise that that that's why this is so unusual that the NTSB is sending a team. Now, both administrations are doing independent surveys or independent investigations into this thing. Should be interesting to find out what the NTSB comes up with. Again, it's the beta system of this autopilot. Lots of warnings. Uh, this was a terrible tragedy. The car apparently kept driving for a little while afterwards, after the roof was sheared off on, in autopilot a little bit as well. So some 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 crazy stuff. It's not an indictment of the technology, in my opinion. Well, no. I just think that they've somebody there has woken up and we've talked about it. But this is beta software. It's pushed as beta software. And they're going to say, is this okay to be driving a billion miles of 
beta software. It's really pretty unregulated. I'm a bit concerned that the regulators might come in and do some stuff. And could this be part of this uh, master plan announcement? Like the next level of autonomous driving by Tesla is now put out and they say, hey, here are the new sensors that are coming on all the X's and S's that are going to be delivered starting August 1. Well, let's say the NTSB comes and says that that autopilot needs to be better, but the current hardware on the cars can't make it better. But you've bought a car from Tesla and it has autopilot. Is this... Could that potentially be a massive recall problem for Tesla? Could they have to turn off autopilot in all of these cars and either refund the people? So now let's say tomorrow they they like, we have a new autopilot. We're going to have 15 more sensors. But all of these old cars, like my car doesn't have any autopilot, all of these cars with current autopilot technology, we're turning it off and giving you five grand back. Or they're just going to pop some new sensor on where the mirror is and say, here it is. It's a plug and play. We just pop this thing on, update your software, you're ready to go. It's just an interesting uh, discussion for all of those reasons about whether you should buy your car or lease it because the technology is going to continue to change. Whether Google has it right, which is let's get a, a series of these cars out there and do make it right to begin with and then release it versus what uh, Tesla is doing, which is incrementally releasing it and uh, having us be the beta testers. And I'm happy to be a beta tester for it, but I think it, uh, the feds are going to have to ask the question, is that going to be okay for everybody? But this is the whole thing that we just talked about with the energy. Like, it's what point do you have to put the technology out there? Right. When is good enough good enough? Is autopilot, as it is right now, good enough if you're following the directions on how to use it? And we cannot stress that enough this guy was probably not completely engaged in driving. It's not disengaging you from driving. Right. They, yeah. It's Very true. A, and well, you can. And uh, the other argument is cars themselves are one of the most intrinsically dangerous things to use ever at any time. So, right. if we follow that logic far enough, you say take all the cars off the road because these bloody things kill thirty thousand Americans every year. So I think the investigation will go down the line of is it making is it at least as safe as a human driver? If it appears to be more safe than a human driver, they'll probably say, "Okay, continue on." You think you so you think that that will be the case? Like if that's the conclusion that we won't run into, you know, some political gamesmanship happening. Well, there'll always be political gamesmanship. You know, I wonder how much of the technology Tesla can use, right? So they can tell if your wife lied and said your brand new Model X just took off into the building? Can they tell us how many times Mr. Brown touched the wheel in the 10 minutes before he had his crash? Yeah, I don't know what the, that, that's, that's an interesting question. Like, can the sensors tell how engaged you are? Well, there have to be a, a driver-facing sensor that's looking at eye contact with the, with the, with the windshield, things like that. I mean, there are millions of ways you know, potential ways to, to, to gather well, just the touching data. the wheel, right? I mean, like if you're not paying attention and you're touching the wheel, you could easily disengage the autopilot right. and jerk the car off the road. I've, so you, know, you don't have autopilot, but I just was driving. Oh, okay. Car, I know. I'm just a lowly. Well, my other, my other Tesla doesn't have it either. But one thing I noticed, because I don't use it that often, is that I've got my hands on it and I'm autopiling along and I didn't realize that I jerked the wheel enough for it to turn off and it was still... I'm thinking, I'm autopiloting here, it's all good. And then I'm like, 
hang on a minute, it's going out of the lane. Oh, interesting. Because I turned it off So do you think that like identify the notification that you're in and out of it needs to be a little more robust? Well, for me, because I wasn't used to it, I'm like, hang on, the little blue line's gone. Before we wrap this up, Robert found some really interesting people driving their Teslas around the world. So we're going to do that uh, audio right now. We got a bunch of letters this week. We don't have time to do them in their full regalia, as it were. So I'm going to save those, plus any new letters we get for next week. And I do encourage you on your iPhone or Android, send a short to the point uh, audio emails, and we'll edit them into the program as well. And I also encourage you, please uh, go to iTunes, leave us a rating and a comment. It really helps us out. But uh, first, before we leave, let's uh, find out what the Italians and the Germans and the others that are driving all over the world are doing in California. This is crazy meeting up with a group from Germany who've already traveled two-thirds of the way around the world, and I've met them here in Oxnard at the Supercharger. Why don't you introduce yourselves? Hi, my name is Carolina. I'm actually from the Italian team. I'm 23, and I'm driving with my father, Federico. I'm the oldest one. I'm Federico. Uh, I'm from Italy, and I'm driving the team Italy. Hi, my name is Fabian. I'm 30. I'm from Germany, from the German team. This is really exciting. I was here at the Oxnard Supercharger, just charging up between shifts, and lo and behold, these two striking Teslas drive in. They're all covered in stickers. They all look really fast. And then I noticed they're actually charging a European-based Teslas off of an American supercharger. How is that possible? I made an adapter in a homework. Tesla said it's not working. And yesterday we told the Tesla, and here's... Say, what? (laughs) And you told me that you were just at the Fremont supercharger at the factory, and you had a bunch of of, uh, engineers oogling and ogling and looking at your your charge adapter. Yes, he is interested and say, it's Tesla say not possible, and we say it's possible now. (laughs) And I've seen it in action. It's actually pretty lightweight. It's just a gray box with a couple of plugs on it. I've got a couple pictures It's pretty cool. This opens up a whole new world for people who are European-based cars or Chinese-based cars could come to the United States. And then I assume the possibility exists to go the opposite direction. Is is this possible? The problem is the U.S. plug is not not standard. It's only uh, built by Tesla, and Tesla must give me the plug, and they can build the adapter for U.S. cars to Europe or Asia. All right, Elon, you heard that. I want to take my car to Germany, and I want to tool around one summer. I need you to get off the plug. So, how's your experience been so far? So far, amazing. We've been driving a lot of kilometers actually every day, but um, honestly, the landscapes we get to see, the experiences, or for example, driving through Death Valley with 50 degrees, the day after in San Francisco with 13 degrees, or a broken air conditioning, it's an adventure, let's say. (laughs) And when you say degrees, you're talking Celsius. So us Americans have no concept of what anything metric is. We'll, we'll interpret that on the show notes. And so what was the, uh, the most uh, extensive distance you've done in one day? 1,000 miles in one day with two cars, with one adapter over the supercharger in U.S. And did you have any time to eat or visit the bathroom? Yes, it's a supercharging. We must charge uh, one car and uh, split the uh, adapter to the next car, and we have two t- uh, two hours for every charging place. Sounds good. Do you have a favorite supercharger in California? All the superchargers are favorite. It's the best place to charge. It's easy to entering. 
And so every how, supercharger is welcome. How, how do the superchargers here compare to the superchargers in Europe? I think it's pretty much the same. We have uh, shopping malls as well. I mean, it really depends. Uh, Lunch, lunches, uh, places in the in the Tesla offices uh, where we can uh, drink coffee and have a break and a toilet and everything. So you're talking about like the Tesla service centers that have superchargers, or you're talking about the factory? No, 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 no. Only, only the Tesla offices, uh, the, the non, non, uh, non, the head office of them. Okay, and so. In this, uh, in this adventure you've had, how many days have you been traveling for? This is the 21st day. We started off from Barcelona in Spain, drove to Portugal and Lisbon. Then we flew the cars to Halifax in Canada, drove down to New York, crossed pretty much the States, just to put it short, got to San Francisco, then to L.A., and we're leaving on the 10th. What's your next destination? Well, Los Angeles, first of all, and then it's going to be Guangzhou in China. How are you going to get to China? To, you know, I know Teslas can float. They've been shown to go through tunnels. It wasn't very swift, but how are you going to get to China? Not with, with, uh, not with uh, SpaceX. <laughs> You're going to fly or, or boat the car? We're going to fly the cars to Guangzhou in China and then ready to drive again. So for all of those listeners who are considering taking their car on vacation, it's a pretty slick car, but it won't fit in a suitcase how much does it cost to get a Tesla across the ocean? No, we don't uh, tell the prices. We, uh, we have 11 cars and have a group uh, discount. And it's, uh, it's not so many as most people think about the price. But it's, it's um, a lot of... Expensive. It's, it's expensive. expensive. I expect it is. So you say you have a group of cars. Tell me about that. We are, it's uh, 80 days, we call it, the group. Uh, it's 11 cars from nine different nations. Uh, we have a Chinese team with a with a dancer and a Hungary team with a with a city bus, and the other p- one uh, Tesla Roadster, and so the others uh, one team from US California with a US uh, Tesla, and the others come from Europe, from Italy, Germany. We have two teams. Uh, one from Austria, two teams from uh, from Swiss, and so one from Czech, Czech Republic, Republic, yes. And so, what's the overall um, uh, sketch of what does this this eighty days around the world look like? Well, the, we just want to make people aware about sustainability first of all, and also that. Even with an electric car, we're able to drive around the world, even though it's not so easy as it may sound or whatever (laughs) because of all of the adapters and so on. But um, it's also important the teamwork we've realized because we have this active group chat where each of us writes where the next Shademo is, for example, or where you can sleep or where you can plug your car and so on. That is very important. So you're all working together, and is every vehicle going to go around the world? Um, yes, even though we have a complication with the Roadster, which broke down, so we're going to see whether they can make it. We hope so, obviously. Okay, well, there's a lot of Roadster enthusiasts here in Southern California. They're even trying to form their own Roadster club. 
And uh, so I don't know if they can help you. I can give you a couple names. Who knows? <laughs> but anyway, so tell me any last words. Well, we hope you can follow us and uh, see how our adventure goes. Obviously, you can follow us on the Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. So, yeah. What's the, uh, what should people type in on Facebook? The official one is ATE Days. And then from there on, you can see the different ones. For example, we have the German one. It's Nomiev Mobility. The Italian one is ATE Days Team Italia. Excellent. We'll put some of that into the show notes. Well, thanks very much, guys. This is really exciting. Really cool running into you. And I wish you guys safe travels. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Very cool, Rob. Nice reporting. His name was Robert Rosenblum. He was Tom Wilson. My name is Mel Herbert. This is Talking Tester, and we will speak to you next week. Bye for now. Hope you enjoyed the show. And we've been... Talking. 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 Talking.